We are back with my friend Danielle Herzlick. Um, I'm going to tell the story of how we became friends. I was asking her just two seconds ago. I said, oh, do you remember? And she says, no. So I think that carries the weight of our friendship. But Danielle and I connected at a PAO conference. I just knew of her through the football women, and I knew she liked fitness. And so I had asked her once, I said, would you lead a, a women's workout at one of our football conferences? And she said, sure, no problem. So that was like my initial uh, I guess, meet cute with her. However, the deeper tie to our friendship is, and I pray, Danielle, you remember this. Do you remember I texted you, gosh, in like March of 2020, and I said, I, I have like a word for you. I said, I just was praying, and for some reason, your name like came in to pass, came up, like, I don't know, somehow through, I don't, whatever, your name came to pass, and I said, I don't know if this means anything to you, but I think like accountability is meaning something. And you said verbatim via text, you're like, shut up. Look at the last line of the book that I'm reading by Craig Rochelle. Do you remember? Yes. So does our I friendship maybe this. mean a little bit more to you based on that intro? It does. It okay. Does. So anyway. I mean, I, I, I said, I meant the same thing when I said you texted me and we read a book together. Yeah. <laughs> you just said so it more, more profoundly. No, but anyway, so I think what's cool is Danielle and I have quote unquote worked together and she'll kind of give more detail to how we worked together in 2020. But I think what's really neat is the bridge of our friendship came from like a word from God. And I remember like, for those of you who don't know, Danielle, she's, she's, she's probably one of the hardest friends I have in the sense she loves hard, but she has a harder exterior to break through in love. I share that. So I remember like, getting that download from God. I'm like, I do not want to text this girl. I'm like, I'm a little nervous. And I'm like, whatever. It's not like the, hopefully a lot of you that follow Jesus recognize there are moments to humiliate yourself for Jesus's sake. And I'm like, whatever, I'm just going to put myself out there. And it was really cool and kind of God to get the re rebuttal from her saying, look at the, the last like sentence in this book she was reading, just said, go find your accountability partner. So God's word was spot on. And that little moment, in my opinion, very much solidified a bond and friendship for us. So that's how I know her. And um, yeah, why don't you share, Danielle, what have we been doing? What did we do in 2020? What came out of 2020 beyond the scope of that prophetic word that was dropped to you? So um, yeah, that was that was better than what I said. Thanks, thanks for being a better friend than I am too. Not at <laughs> but, all, no. Um, Okay, so that exactly like you're saying started a very deep, quick friendship. Obviously, God ordained between us, reading books, throwing away all of our stuff, thanks to John Mark Comer, <laughs> all of that <laughs> stuff, <laughs> Bible studies, this, that, the other thing. And then, um, I mean, when do you think it was around mid March, early April, where when we were chatting and talking and we were just like we're bored we both love fitness like what how do we how do we do something here in this like ministry lane and so we together came up with this idea of soulful sweat I will give you the props you came up with the name um but yeah um and then we just were like okay let's start working out together with other PAO women across the country and see how this goes. And I swear, I think within what, like two weeks, we had like 200, 200 women in this group, just wanting to be in community, working out, um, through 
Peloton workouts. Shout out to Peloton, please sponsor <laughs> us. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's been that group and the community that we've built. Um, th- well, okay. So then from that group and just working out, we also created a Bible study that that led us through the season and beyond. Now we're working through John or one John right now. Uh, sorry, first John. That was... <laughs> Your army um, lingo, yes. Yeah, my army lingo, one John. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I mean, it's carried through a full year and the community that has stemmed out of it um, has been, I mean, it's, it's, in, it's been absolutely incredible. I have met women who I haven't even met face-to-face, who I'm speaking with every day, praying with every day, praying through some of the hardest stuff of 2020 and beyond with, and just, I mean, this group has like blown PAO women's community out of the water. And that's not, that's not me like patting myself on the back. That's just like God's work through this group has just been absolutely incredible. Um, and I'm just beyond grateful to, to even be able to be a part of it. Yeah, it's a cool group. I mean, and for those of you listening, it's it, it initially the onset invitation was to pro athletes' wives or pro athletes themselves, but um, we just want a bunch of women who love Jesus that like to sweat. And yes, the Peloton is kind of the gateway to get on board, but it doesn't have to be. And I would just say, I've defined the group as one for accountability and encouragement, and that's exactly what it is. And it's amazing if anybody needed anything in 2020, it was those two things. So Danielle just did a really great job of not only selecting workouts, but giving like maybe unrequested nuggets of encouragement and or upheaval where she's just, she does a really good job of reading your mail, which is pretty supernatural if you ask me, but it's, again, it's the kind of friend you want in your back corner. And it's the kind of woman you want, like leading you in and around the realm of fitness. So insert fitness, where does your passion for fitness come? Was that always been the case? Good question. Um, so, well, I, it's, it's interesting. And that's kind of a loaded question. Fitness has always been a passion of mine. Um, I think one of the things that I have always kind of strived to do in my life is push myself beyond limits, um, beyond quote unquote limits that either I've set for myself, the world has set for myself, or, you know, other people around me have set for myself. I think like my husband will be the first person to tell you that if you tell me I can't do something, I will do it times a million and like, you know, nothing stopping me kind of thing in a, in a slightly unhealthy way. But, but so, um, I was a gymnast my whole life and that definitely kind of, initiated this part of me that was like, I'm always going to go the extra step. I'm always going to take it a step further. Um, and physically specifically. So, um, and like being a gymnast, like most gymnasts will tell you, you know, you have to have that mindset to succeed. And that mindset also comes with a lot of baggage, um, and a lot of, things that, you know, a lot of unhealthy aspects of taking things to, you know, the, the nth degree. So, um, to answer your question, it's always been a part of my life, but 
more recently in the last 10 years, I definitely have developed a healthier passion for it. Um, and just like a healthier way of being in fitness and being physically active, that is, you know, a healthier way to be. Yeah. That's, um, I mean, you're not going to say it. So I'll ask you, she was and is in the army. Well, I mean, you're, I feel like once you're in the army, you're always in the army. Um, how did you get to that commitment? I mean, that doesn't come, I, I believe that's intrinsic desire to go in, enroll in the army. And how did that work? How did you get on that path? How long were you in it? And why did you stay in it for as long as you did? All good questions. 10 questions into one. 10 questions into one. Um, so yeah. Um, how did I get, I have, a, I mean, I have a weird life. Um, I'll start by saying that it's, it's been a weird, it's been a weird series of events, but, um, specifically for the military and for the army, I mean, really I needed. So when I came into college, I was, so let me here, Mallory, let me just, let me just backtrack a little bit. You can rewind. <laughs> let me rewind. Absolutely. So, um, like I said, I was a gymnast. Um, not only that, but um, I came from a, a household um, of very, 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 very serious and traumatic abuse. Um, I was abused or watched someone be abused every day of my childhood. Um, and then when my father was removed from my home, I entered into my own abusive relationship um, that lasted all four years of high school. So when I was 18 coming into college, um, I had spent pretty much my entire life up until that point being abused by someone in my life, um, mentally, physically, emotionally, sexually, all, all of the above. So to answer your question, coming into, um, coming into college, first of all, we had nothing. We didn't have the ability to pay for school. So, you know, first priority was, okay, Danielle, how are you going to pay for school? Um, with all of that being said, I had a mom who was, who was, and is my, um, absolute hero. Um, and the reason that I'm alive today, um, she instilled service in us from the day I was born. We had nothing to give. And so therefore she said, okay, well, we're going to give our time and our energy and we are going to serve anyone and everyone around us. And so that's how I grew up and that's how I lived. She like, she, she showed me how to be the hands, foot of feet of Jesus before I even knew what that was and what, you know, before I even read a Bible. And, um, so when I was walking through Boston college, you know, trying to figure out how am I going to make this payment of a million dollars to the school, um, walking around the school's activity fair, I saw a booth for ROTC and really like coming from someone who had no direction, like I said, it was my first time that I was, you know, away from home after being abused for 18 years, I saw serving in some capacity and they would pay for my school. And I was like, all right, this is the only thing that makes sense to me right now. Let's do it. So that's how I ended up there. And then, you know, tying back to your last question, it fueled my pushing the limits, my, you know, physical fitness, wanting to always 
be better and do better and go farther and all of those things. So it just was like kind of this perfect fit for me. Um, I was in the army for 10 years. Um, officially I retired, um, as a captain, I don't know, a year and a half ago ish, maybe two years, honestly, I'm not sure. And, um, and yeah, that's, what, did you, what was your role at the end? I mean, I think what you did is fascinating and terrifying, but what did you do exactly? So I was, a, um, I served as the victim advocate for the state. So what I, I was, I was in the national guard at that point. And so, um, I was the victim advocate for the state of New Jersey, which meant that I handled all the sexual assault cases, um, for, for the state of New Jersey. It's ridiculous. I just, I mean, it's, and it, it's such an intense role, but I would assume with the backdrop that you had, it felt like a layer of redemption slightly. Absolutely. I think, um, honestly, there's nothing more healing for me, at least I can only speak for myself than trying to fix the problem that tried to kill you or break you, whatever word you want to use. Um, it was, you know, it was kind of the way that I felt like I was able to take my life back and heal, um, through, you know, helping someone else or trying to make sure that what happened to me doesn't happen to someone else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't even, if, if I had anybody advocating for me, I would pray it would be, <laughs> and now I feel like I have that in a weird layer of friendship. And sometimes I don't want you as my advocate because you're just ridiculously intentional and devoted in all things. Okay. So fast forward, you're 32, one, 31. I'm 30. I'm turning 32 this year. Yes. So married to Mark. Yes. Incredible man. And you have one child, one and a half, you have two children. So what does it look like being a mom? Sorry, I should know this better. What does it look like being a mom of two little ones, um, married to a husband who works full time and you're taking on new work yourself? How do you juggle it all? Um, how does being a mom look? So two questions, how do you juggle all the roles you possess and how does being a mom now look differently than what you experienced as a kid? So I think I'm going to, I'm going to answer those questions in reverse order. Cause I That's never, true. I never do anything that you say <laughs> the right way. Um, so with my past, obviously, um, being extremely, extremely, extremely traumatic. I was always very, very, very nervous about what me being a mom would, was going to look like. And looking back on that, I actually think that that was a good thing because there's a lot of people who go through trauma, um, trauma like I did, or, you know, worse or whatever, um, who don't think those through those things through, and then they jump into it and then it's a train wreck. Um, so I'm glad that God kind of gave me that discernment to try and kind of fix some of these things before, um, which, which definitely helped, but, um, and also disclaimer, um, shout out also to Lexi in a few episodes back about talking about therapy and how important that is, because, um, with all of this being said this, you know, my healing and everything and me being here, I, where I am today would not have happened without extreme intensive therapy. So um, anyone who's listening and has gone through something like I'm explaining, please go to therapy. It's first and foremost, it's the most, it's the best decision you could ever make. Um, but anyway, so um, 
that's, like I said, started going to very serious therapy and really thought, um, and then, you know, I really, really met Jesus, um, when I was about like 23 or 24, um, right on the back end of college, like really, really had, you know, met him. And so, um, I, I kind of thought I was done. I thought I was healed. Like, I was like, okay, God, like you did a miracle in me. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a story. I went from that to this and I've, I've made it. And, um, then I got married and that kind of exposed, um, a lot of places that I hadn't healed and being in, um, a relationship with anyone. I mean, even my, my husband is, um, my husband is one of, or maybe the best gift that God ever gave me. I mean, he, he, he's incredible and he takes everything that I've ever been through and he, you know, he sits with me and he understands and he's made my story part of his story. And it's just been incredible, um, to see, you know, a man walk through this with me after, again, after everything that has happened. But so, but that exposed a lot in me. And I was like, okay, I still have more work to do. So, you know, went back in again, same thing. It was like, okay, God, now I'm, now this is it. Like, here we go. And, um, then we walked through, um, starting a family. And with that, my husband had cancer. So, um, we knew getting married that it was going to be difficult to have kids, um, which was fine. Um, we, we really, again, me being with my past, I didn't have, I knew I wanted a family, but I didn't have like this picture in my mind. I never was one of those girls who was like, I'm going to get married at this age. I'm going to have two kids, a boy and a girl. They're going to be two years apart. Like it was never like that. It was just like this kind of like family in the future. No idea what it looks like, how I'm going to get there, but I want it at some point. So we walked through IVF, um, which was very, you know, it's, it, IVF is trying. It's a very, very trying situation. Um, and, um, we got a miracle out of it. We have, um, a almost three-year-old son and he truly is a miracle. I mean, like I said, from, um, my husband being told, you know, he had a 10% chance of survival to us, you know, having a three-year-old is, is literally nothing short of a miracle. But, um, so, it's cool because that part of my journey was, um, was that healing when I had a son was probably the hardest healing block that I've had to go through in my life. Um, God was preparing me to surrender, you know, all control and, um, as you can probably tell from my story up until this point, I have control issues. <laughs> Shocking. Surprise. So um, that really was the first serious breakdown of control. Um, walking through IVF, going through that whole situation, losing, you know, quote unquote, my body, my physical appearance, which um, I realized through that process was very, very unhealthily important to me. And, um, and so, and then I'm not going to go into details just because for the sake of time, but there was a lot of health after effects of that whole thing that just, I had to walk through that were, that were tough. So 
Um, that was really cool because I have a son now. I feel as though God is healing me through redemption in the sense that I now get to raise a good man. I get to put a good boy into this world and send him out and know that he is going to marry a woman and treat her with the utmost respect and he's going to have daughters and he's going to treat them with the utmost respect and he's going to show them what they deserve from day one. So that's really, really, really beautifully redemptive. Um, and, um, not only that, but there is a level of empathy in, in this piece of it where, you know, I see my father as a little boy. I see my other abuse my other abusers in my life as a little boys. And I can understand that someone made them that way and it's not their fault. So, um, so yeah, so that, like I said, I still think that was like kind of the hardest healing hill that I, I needed to get to get over. And then, um, now not only, um, you know, the second best thing to, to come to me in 2020 after, uh, Mallory's friendship and soulful sweat, of course, um, is, uh, we, we have a daughter now, um, through adoption, which, um, we started the process of in 2020 and, um, she was born in November of 2020. And it's really cool because now I am a mom of a girl. And again, it's, you know, the whole process of adoption, again, another layer of healing, um, completely, complete and utter surrender. <laughs> if you, if you've walked through adoption or you've seen someone walk through adoption, you know that there is no other option other than just complete, okay, God, this is on you and I have no role in this. So just, you know take me. I'm, I'm here <laughs> at your will. So, um, but then now again, I'm walking through, she's, you know, she's 10 weeks old right now. So I know, I know this will get, you know, more and more kind of as, as she gets older, but now I'm walking through this ability that I now have to raise a girl and to, you know, see, see the world through a, my daughter's eyes in a healthy way. And that I, I, I don't get, I haven't seen much of it right now, obviously, because she's 10 weeks, but, um, I cannot wait, you know, for that experience as she, as she gets older. Yeah. Um, to your point, I agree. Anybody that has walked through adoption, if you have the opportunity to co-labor while they're in the process to pray alongside them, to just, serve them with meals to you guys just love them. Well, it is one of them. I've not done it, but I've watched you do it. And it is the amount of trust you have to have in Jesus is outrageous because your hands are tied. And, um, but it's neat looking back now, your story is one, the adoption story in particular is one that is just the kindness of God is all over it. And it's so cool just to, I, <clears throat> I mean, I laugh. I had shared this with Danielle, my, I have three boys and they, I think they thought we were adopting the baby, how much we were invested in the Herzlik story, but it, I can't wait 
So one day she can comprehend the storyline, your daughter. And um, yeah, it's just one that seems so succinct with what God had for you guys. Cause it just, it, it's a beautiful story. Okay. Closing question, but it's kind of a loaded one um, from a woman who's come through trauma for more than half of your life. Um, how are you not mad at God or are you mad at God? You know, it's funny. Um, so when I, like I said, I had a mom who was of the utmost faith growing up, which is very interesting because a lot of times when you think of someone who was so horribly abused, you feel like they look back on their childhood and all they see is darkness. And although I do see an ex excessive amount of darkness in my childhood, I was lucky. I, I did have, there was light and that was my mom and what she provided for me um, growing up. So, so to your, to the, to answer your question, I'm not mad at God now. Um, growing up, I, I was so dependent on God for survival that I didn't have time to be mad at him. So like my relationship of, with God for the first 21 years of my life was like only praying when I thought I was going to die. So there was no, it was like fight or flight prayer. So there was no like time to process like what God was quote unquote letting happen. It was just like, okay, God, I need you because someone in my house or I am going to die and I need you right now. Um, so that was kind of like my relationship and my experience with faith for, like I said, that period of, of time. Um, and then as I entered therapy and I started really like processing what was going on, um, I did have an excessive amount of anger. Um, also, you know, throughout um, high school, you know, there's a lot of anger in teenage girls anyways, but, um, you know, teenage girls that, um, are going through trauma, it's obviously magnified. And so, um, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of anger inside of me, but, um, it's funny because one of my first therapists that I ever had out of college, they said, you know, what do you want to get out of therapy? And I said, I want to stop being so angry. And she said to me in that moment, and I don't think she was a Christian, which is, which is very interesting because I swear this was like God speaking through her. She said, Danielle, your anger is a gift. And if you hadn't had your anger through that experience, you wouldn't have survived. Because if you hadn't had, don't have that anger, if you didn't have that anger, you would have felt other feelings and emotions that probably would have killed you. And so from that moment, I started looking at it through a completely different lens of my anger was my protector. And like, so my anger was God. And like, that was what was saving my life at the time. But then, you know, I had to switch over and think, you know, figure out, okay, I'm safe now. And I don't need that anymore. I don't need that, you know, gift or whatever you want to call it that you were giving me in the moment. So again, it's been a long process 
And it still comes out because again, when you are dependent on something to survive your whole life, it's obviously gonna, <laughs> it's gonna come out in a lot of ways. But um, I am actively working on using anger in the appropriate way as a secondary emotion, because that's what it is. And really trying to feel um, what is behind that emotion and getting to, you know, the bottom of, of what it is. So to answer your question, um, I am, I'm not mad at God. I was just mad period. <laughs> and, um, and now I am definitely, like I said, it's, it's, it's an ongoing process, but I'm working to, um, to move past it. Well, I pulled up while we were talking or while you were talking, I pulled up the Bible because I just, what you had said made sense. And Ephesians 4 26 says, be angry. We're given permission, be angry, do not sin. And I think that's, I don't know. I mean, that could, I don't know if anybody wants that as their life first, but it could have been for your first couple decades, like you were angry and maybe there are moments of sin, but possessing anger. I've never heard that from anything, but that's such a fascinating perspective. Possessing the anger that you had saved you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Kind of like a mind flip, if you will, but that is, that's a really cool perspective, honestly, but I think that's it. That's ex- I mean, literally Ephesians four twenty six says, I'm pulling it up one more time. It says, be angry yet. Do not sin. Do not let the sun set upon your anger. And I just think it's yeah, that's, to me, that's fascinating. And I don't know if that's not biblical. Someone can call me out, but I just think that's a unique way to look at anger is an emotion. Um, but it doesn't necessarily have to lead you down the path to sin. It can fuel you in another direction. That's cool. That's very actually fitting now that you ended kind of with that note. Um, one final, final thought you have a very, uh, healthy magnetic force with drawing women in to community, to, um, dealing with their problems, to talking, to just kind of just getting to know them and discern like Christ-centered identities. To any woman listening, that's kind of on the struggle bus for whatever reason, um, and maybe doesn't even know why. What is your counsel? Like how? Like if you feel like you're just in a low season, or you're someone who did come from abuse or trauma, or what I'm learning from you, you you're experiencing things that you just haven't labeled as trauma. Like, what do you tell, like, where do you start? And it typically, the reason we know this, that something's off is we're, we're low. We feel low, right? Where there's a lot of self-hate or self-doubt or just negative emotions are swarming us. What would you say to the woman that's like, I just feel like I'm at a loss across the board. Where do you kind of start on the upswing for that? Yeah. Um, well, aren't, aren't we all on the struggle bus? Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, and I don't think we really, you know, like I said, as I, as I just kind of outlined in my own story, which is not obviously done. And that was like what I just outlined to you guys is the tip of the iceberg, but um, the healing is an ongoing journey. It's not something that's ever going to be done. And if it's done, you're dead. Um, <laughs> that's, that's to put it blatantly, um, very blunt, like, yeah. <laughs> but it's true. That's yeah. Um, but so honestly, um, the thing that changed my life right off the bat when I came into college and I was 
guys, I was a disaster. That's that will be another podcast, Mallory. Um, my my, my salvation story, part two. Um, that I was an absolute, absolute, absolute disaster. And so the 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 first and most pivotal thing that changed my life when I came into college, when I was, you know, when I was removed from the abuse, was I met my best friends. And can I tell you that um, I I'm only I'm only tearing up right now because at I stood up at one of their weddings. They just got married recently, and um, I I said that to them that like their friendship saved me at the time. And so um, find sisterhood. That that would be my number one ultimate. Find sisterhood. If you're struggling or not struggling, find sisterhood. Sisterhood is the best gift you could ever give another woman. And I'm not talking about like find a friend who you like go to coffee with every month. I'm like, ta- I'm talking about friends who will like get on the ground with you and like pull you up, even if they get pulled in and like you will walk this life together and just like. I don't know. I just, I just feel like there's this, I can't take credit for this, but there's this quote that I like, and it says something like, you know, we all, we put all of our um, hope in finding our spouse and like finding our life partner. And there's something to be said about the friends, you know, like putting hope in the friends that you do life with and the girlfriends that you surround yourself with and the sisters who you choose to walk life with because it is, I mean, the girls in my life, the, my truest friendships are literally the best thing about me. And so, um, that would be my advice. Yeah. Find some life or friends. I think that's great counsel. I think, um, isolation is where the enemy triumphs. And if you need a friend, contact Danielle. I'm not kidding. Or me. We would be your friend in a heartbeat. I think we would be your friend. Our deepest desire is to see no woman walk alone in circumstance and recognize healing in the healing process. It might be humbling and oftentimes humiliating, but it's there are women and therapists that can walk alongside you and it's not a lost cause. So your trauma is not lost on this earth. Um, There are incredible resources or people that will be your advocates to help you heal. So I just, in all seriousness, like if you are struggling with anything, like you've got open friendships right here with the two of us, and we'd love to just help steer your ship in whatever direction, but, um, yeah, don't walk alone. I couldn't agree more. That's incredible counsel. Um, well, I'm so glad that we got to do this. I feel like we get to do this all the time, um, not on a podcast. So it's just nice to have recorded documents of us chatting, but, um, it is crazy to think we Danielle and I were talking the other day about something and I don't know what, I think I said something like, I just, I can't believe, like, I, I think I said, I'm sorry that that's your story. Like, cause I, I, I don't, I can't even comprehend. And I know, I don't even know the the weight of it, but she, it was really sweet. She's well, sweet slash honest. She just said, but it made me, me. So I just think having, that's a very healthy rebuttal to something that's like, you know, so I just think it's very cool and undeniably obvious that God is all over your life. And I think the healing journey that you're slowly walking through will just 
I mean, I can't wait to watch your kids be like adult humans and just have the perspective of their mom being a survivor and an advocate and a Jesus lover and a servant because your story of trauma is going to embed like future little Jesus advocates for just like survivorship and just, I don't know, like healing. I think again, the legacy that lives beyond you and Mark is going to be one that you will just be so proud of. So thank you for sharing glimpses of you. And I do, I thank you for your transparency. I know that's not easy at all, um, but it's worth it. And I know that, you know, sharing your story will benefit someone else on the back end. So your gifts, I love doing life with you. Sometimes I don't love doing life with you because of the accountability, but um, it's a fun journey we're on and I just can't wait to see where God continues to take us. So thank you. Ditto, my friend. Thank you for listening to the Recalibrated Podcast with Mallory Brown. This podcast is part of the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. For more stories intersecting sports and faith, check out sportsspectrum.com.